Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on ECNZ. Izzy, I feel like the White Firm's performance over the weekend, getting one on the board on their tour in the UK, was was a really great performance from the weekend. Unbelievable performance. And I, I actually think it was our chat with Katie Martin on Friday, mate. I think we got her up, she got her excited, got her mind away from things, told her about building pressure and applying it to the English. And, wow, someone that really did that was Sophie Devine in her 100th international T20s. Sophie scored a half century from 41 balls. And not only that, she took two wickets of her own. So she had an absolutely amazing captain's knock for her 100th. And we got her on the show. Sophie Devine, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you going? We're good. We're good, Sophie. Hey, um, unbelievable turnaround, unbelievable performance. Not from just yourself, but the team as well. We, we spoke a lot about on the show about building pressure. And we spoke to Katie Martin on Friday about building pressure. Do you felt like you're... You put a lot of pressure on England throughout that match? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was something we spoke about. We were really disappointed, I guess, with our, our first performance, but I think we were, we were realistic about it. It was our first international match mm. in probably close to six months, so there was certainly a bit of rust there, but to be able to learn and adapt and be able to turn the tables on a, on a really strong English side, especially at home, I think I'm really pleased, and it makes for a, a very exciting decider match on Thursday. Absolutely, and you could tell that you guys were playing with confidence. So as a skipper, Sophie, do you do you instill confidence? Is that something you love to do? You like to give, empower your kind of team to go out there and express themselves? Is that part of your leadership strategy? Yes, oh, it certainly is. I think at the end of the day, especially with the with the fielding and the bowling, for me, I guess it probably helps that I, I am a bowler as well, so I can sort of understand it. And for me, it is. It's about giving them full confidence and belief that I, I trust what they can do and, and that their skills are good enough and, and to keep imploring them to, to bowl their best ball. Um, so for me, it is. It's giving them ownership of what they want to do. And, and certainly for me, and I guess my leadership style, it's around leading from the front. And I've probably been not where I want to be the last you know couple of international series that I've played at. So it was nice to, I guess, finally get back in there and, and lead from the front with a bat and the ball. What can you put that down to, Soph? Um, unbelievable captain's knock from you um, in your 100th T20. So great to, to be able to you know, celebrate your, your successes with a win. But what can you put down your performance to? Yeah, well, look, I don't know. I think it's, it's a really interesting one. I think, well, we've normally got a terrible curse with the White Ferns and anyone that plays a milestone <laughs> match, we seem to lose I those games. So we're cer- yeah, it's certainly nice to, I guess, break that one. But, um, oh, look, I don't know. I think, you know, I've probably been struggling for form and, um, 
you know, working bloody hard. I think that's the tricky thing is sometimes mm. when you don't feel like you're batting as well or playing as well as you could be, you, you go searching and you go looking for answers and you sometimes work almost too hard. Um, so for me, mm. it was just about really trusting the processes that I've had in place, not only, I guess, over the winter, but for the years and, and trusting all the work that I've done over my career. And, I, you know, I guess it was probably quite poignant that it was my 100th T20 t- 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 international match that sort of a bit of perspective that, you know, um, form can certainly come and go, but but trusting in the skills that I have um, and getting in the fight for me was, was certainly a big one. I, I wanted to take it on to the Poms. I mean, they're right up there with the Aussies in terms of people we hate. So mm. I certainly use that as a bit of, <laughs> I guess, motivation to stick it to them. <laughs> <laughs> so can, can you give us your pre-game speech? Can you give us a little insight to your pre-game Sen- speech? Censored though, it. Sophie. Censored, please. <laughs> yeah, geez. Um, oh, look, it, it actually wasn't. And I, it was actually quite interesting because Bob Carter, the head coach, spoke about, I guess, yeah, getting in the scrap with them. Um, and that sometimes we can... You know, we might be a bit too kind. I guess sometimes us Kiwis, mm. you know, people think we're just, you know, all nice and lovely people, which, you know, we are, but we yeah. want to have that bit of mongrel about us. And I think certainly we wanted to bring that in that second T20. And, and I felt we did. I think we speak about it being in our bubble and what we can control, and it's us versus them. And, and for us, um, that's something that we really want to grow with this group is, you know, it's, it's all about us and, and what we can bring. And I guess, as you guys talked about, putting the pressure on them, they're the ones that are the world champs in 50-over mm. cricket, so they've got all the pressure on them. So on tour, it's, it's not something Love you it. guys get to do too often, but you want to build this pressure now and keep that momentum. You don't want to let them off the hook here. How do you do that but balance being on tour and, and also having a good time? But Katie Martin, she was hard case on Friday. She, <laughs> she just sounds like she's having a laugh for a minute. So where do you find that balance of enjoyment but also strategy and pressure? Yeah, oh, look, well, it certainly helps when you've got people like Marty, who's the life of the party, um, to, to help, <laughs> I guess, relax things. And that's something that, again, we've actually worked on probably for the last couple of months. We had a, a heap of camps over winter where we spent a lot of time together and actually getting to know each other away from the cricket field was really important. So we're actually a, a really close unit. We have a lot of care for one another. So we actually enjoy hanging out with each other, which is sometimes interesting on long tours. I think, you know, I might be saying something different come the end of this eight-week block. But, um, yeah, we do. We certainly enjoy, you know, um, hanging out with each other and, and getting away from the cricket field. But certainly we know that when the time is required that we, I guess, put on those caps and we, you know, we're ready to do battle, which I think is a really important balance to, to strike, as you say, you know, with, with the tactical and strategy and certainly wanting to keep the pressure on the palms. We want to make sure that, you know, when we're at training, when we're at the gym, when there's work to do, that we're there to do the work. And then when we're away, we can certainly switch off and enjoy ourselves. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll let you get back to your blackjack. Katie Martin was talking about setting up something in the team room. And I'm sure you girls are having an amazing time. But we love what you girls have been able to achieve over the last couple of days. Keep it up. Keep the pressure on. And uh, look forward to seeing some more great performance from you and the team. Thanks so much, Sophie Devine. Awesome. Thanks heaps for the support, guys. Awesome, awesome. No worries. Hey, Louis, she was outstanding. I, I love the White Ferns. I think they play the right way. Yeah. I think they're really good people. I think that's the key. And, and just to see them get a win. Actually, over the weekend, there was mm. so much going on. The other the other people I'm really, really happy for is yeah, the Paralympians. So they, they got yeah. rewarded for a lot of hard work, didn't they? And, and see Holly Robinson get a gold, she's so well-deserved. Awesome, mate. Awesome, mate. 12 medals for the Paralympians. Hugely, hugely successful campaign for them. Um, they should be so proud 
hopefully when they get home they can get celebrated and and we can actually get some normality back into New Zealand and maybe we can celebrate not just them, but all our Olympians. Um, you know, they've they've represented us so well over the last couple of months and it's crazy to think it's all it's all over, you know, just like that. The big Olympics, the, the Paralympian Paralympics are over, so nah. Awesome success. We're we're very lucky in such a small country that we've got some amazing ambassadors that represent us so well. So great work. I think one thing that's traditional that everybody loves is the Olympics and the Paralympics. I mean, how could you not love those? Is nah, it's been awesome, and uh, we've got an absolute champion from the Paralympics in Tokyo joining us. At his competing at his second games, it was more, it was two more medals for William Steadman, who produced a magical jump in the long jump. Uh, for a silver, and then a gut-busting effort in the 400 metres just 24 hours later. And he's back in the country and no doubt spending some time with his medals. Morning, William. He's in a Cantab too, so he's an absolute champion. Good morning, William. Good morning. Hey, how you going? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's good to be back in New Zealand. Um, yeah, sleeping a lot, but no, it's going good. <laughs> <laughs> so you obviously... You're obviously an MIQ, mate. Has it all sunk in yet? Uh, I think it's starting to. It took a while, away eh, because it was a pretty uh, pretty crazy 24 hours of both the events, and then I was on a flight uh, within 24 hours after that. So um, it's been, <laughs> it was pretty busy, but no, it's really good to be back, and I think it is starting to sink in a little bit now. Mate, tell us about the games. What was it like being over in Tokyo? Total different comparisons to Rio uh, four years ago. So tell us about the experience of being in Tokyo at the Paralympics. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was uh, yeah very different with a lot of all the COVID stuff, obviously, but it was still so cool. I mean, the, being in the village, mm. um, it's uh, yeah, an experience like no other, you know, just like all these athletes everywhere. And it was also cool, like, you know, most of the people in there were d- are disabled as well, which is quite an unusual experience. But no, it was so cool being... Um, at the village, they had the dining hall right next door, which is good. And um, yeah, it's it's yeah. like nothing else. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Hey, Will, William, congratulations, man! It's a fantastic effort, and everybody loved watching you when we could have of you succeeding. One thing that seems to come through on on the coverage, and also just out of the social medias and the the uh, coverage that the Paralympics New Zealand do, is the camaraderie with your colleagues and your teammates. Can you just talk about that and why you guys have such a kinship? I mean, well, yeah, especially with the athletics team, you know, we're, I've been away on, like, a lot of kind of tours with them. We were away for five or six weeks, and so you get to know them really well. Um, you know, where you're all watching each other compete at different competitions. I mean, a lot of the other athletes as well we see around different um, at different times during the year. So you spend a lot of time with each other, so I think you just get, re- you get to know each other really well, and then um, you train together, and then you definitely also cheer each other on, you know? Awesome. Well, we're joined by William Steadman. He's a silver and bronze medalist from the Paralympics. If you've got any questions, give us a text on double eight double three, and we'll make sure we pass those on to William Steadman. Mate, tell us about these um, uh, these games. What what were your expectations and what what were your goals leading into this? Obviously, meddling, but you know, did you ex- expect to get those medals you you received, the silver and the bronze, or were you ho- hoping for more? Um, no, I was definitely. Uh, hoping to get two medals in both my events, although I knew the program was pretty pretty nasty, having those two events so close together. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I also had a stress fracture in my back, we found out about a couple of weeks before we left. So that kind of also <gasps> put a bit of a spanner into the works. Um, but, yeah, I was really stoked to pull out that last long jump. Um, that was pretty nerve-wracking, but I got it out there. And in the 400, 
I was definitely pretty wrecked from the night before, but I managed to, um, yeah, scrape in for bronze. <laughs> you had a fresh uh, fracture in your back, you're saying. Yeah, stress. Just, just a minor stress fracture in my back. I mean, it was. It probably sounds worse than it is. I mean, it definitely. We had to modify training quite a bit, but uh, with you know a lot of anti-inflammatories and Panadol, we managed to uh, get it through. But it definitely needs a rest now. Hey, William, I don't oh. know. If, I don't know if you know, but uh, Izzy Dag here, <laughs> who you you would have seen Izzy play rugby, eh? Like you know who Izzy is. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a, yeah that's yeah. right. He's a, he's a superstar. All that, mate. He's fast. He's nimble. Well, at the moment, at, at the Bloody. moment, he's he's neither of those things. He's actually he's um broken his ankle. So you had a stress fracture. Oh, no. Yeah, you had a stress fracture and competed. <laughs> Do you have any advice for Izzy over the next wee while of how to get through? Hard enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, lots of painkillers. I don't know. <laughs> oh. oh, mate. Yeah, I, I fell off my motorbike, mate. I was, I was a bit of an idiot. Oh, no. But anyway, that's enough about me. We're here for you. We're here for William Stedman, mate. Tell us about that jump. Like, you're in sixth place leaning into that final jump, mate. What got you over the line? And what were you, what were you saying to yourself? And what were the changes you make to actually jump from sixth to silver medal? Yeah, oh, it was... Um I was definitely mental battle that whole the whole competition. You know, those last three jumps, I was just trying to fight the uh, feeling of oh, I'm not going to do this. But in that last jump, I think I did have this kind of sense of peace, um, of like, look, I've got one jump left. All I can do is just give it everything, um, and it works. Uh, yeah, well, I've done yeah. I've done a lot of mental work with my sports psychologist in the last few while, uh, which has really helped. But no, I, no, I initially thought it was a bad jump as well. I was like, oh no, it's not good. And then I, <laughs> Turned around and look at the screen, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh, what? I'm in second now." Oh, it was such a good feeling. But I can just remember the emotional turnaround day. It was pretty nuts. <laughs> mate, effort. Well, everyone here is so proud of you, mate. And, and, and speaking of proud, how were you? I know you couldn't go with your family, your, your coach, your, your mum and dad. They weren't able to travel with you. Um, but how were they? How were they after you know your, your successful games over in Tokyo? Oh yeah, that was stoked. I think I think I took a few years off their life in that long jump. Uh, it was <laughs> I found the experience pretty stressful, but no, they were so stoked for me, and it was so good to have all the support from um, New Zealanders back home cheering me on. Oh, congratulations, William! Uh, you're you're an awesome dude, and you've done so well, and so many of us enjoyed watching it, and I'm sure your parents would have well. So enjoy um quarantine, uh, well managed isolation. Hopefully, you don't go too crazy in there. It can be a bit of a battle, I hear. Where but... are you? Whereabouts are you anyway? Where where about uh, you? I'm in Auckland. In Auckland. Oh, you just locked down like okay. the rest of us. Then you're not missing out on anything. Know, yeah. Give you the tip. Come home. Come <laughs> home to level two, bud. Come home to level two. <laughs> no, we, we've got a good down here. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> hey, thanks for leaving. Go well, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, is he? What an awesome Cheers, dude. Mate, absolute champion. Well spoken. And look, honestly, we, we love championing our champions. And William Steadman is an absolute champion. So, yeah, congratulations for your successes. And, um, yeah, great work over in, over in Tokyo. And to all our Paralympians, mate. They, they were awesome. There's another original Bomb Squad member, and it'd be great to chat to him about his fascinating insights about what went on in that competition. But reality is, I don't even think CJ wants to talk about rugby. Let's be honest, mate. He's got so many stories. <laughs> He's got so many yarns. And I spoke to him yesterday. I said to him, I was like, mate, should we tell the people what they want to know? And the people want to know what went on in Takapuna before that quarterfinal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tell-all. Finally. So, 
So I've 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 preempted him. I'll say, mate, should we do it? Should we should we come on and we'll just we'll tell them or should we save it for our book? What do you want to do? Should we should we you know should we bring it out on ECNZ for yeah. breakfast? Should we tell the insights? Should we give them all the information? Should we give the people what they need? Corey Jane, booze binge drinking and tuck up in it. That was the hit that was the headline. It was funny, yeah, story. Funny. We wake up on Sunday. It's not funny. It was funny at the time, but it wasn't funny. But anyway, we wake up and it's like Corey Jane booze binge, and he's like, "Corey Jane, where's Israel? Where's Israel?" He had the screen down the halfway down the article. It's here, and Izzy Dag was here too. <laughs> he was fuming. But anyway, my good mates on the line, CJ, how are you, brother? Israel, can you stop making up lies about me, please? <laughs> What? what do you mean? That wasn't a lie. That was the truth. You know. Stop. It was all you, not me. I wasn't even there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie, mate. Don't lie. How you been, brother? No, I've been good. Actually, just, uh, the lockdown's not too bad because I spend time with the family. So it's um, I hate homeschooling, but it hasn't been too bad. So I'm good. Nice, nice. And um, what about rugby wise? Are you having are you having to head in? What's the what's the go there? We're at level two, so do you have to head into the to the franchise and, and get some rugby coaching back up and running? Uh, well, we were kind of on our off season anyway, so it was a lot of it was my team. Oh no, what is it called now? Bunnings um, yeah. going. So I was just looking at players, and we were supposed to go on the road show to different parts of our franchise. Um, so I think that will kick back off um, once we're all back into work. Um, but, yeah, it's not as hard as being in comp um, like the Bunnings guys there have got at the moment. Hey, Corey, there's a wee bit to wade through here. It's Louis. Um, thanks for coming on the show this morning. So we've got – we'll get to Geordie Barrett in a bit. But, look, I don't I don't know if you're a massive SCNZ podcast listener. You should be. But yesterday, I don't know if you heard, Izzy, Izzy told some – um, he said he used to room with you, <laughs> room with you a lot, and he told a he told a story on the podcast, which I still think is best if people just go to the podcast and listen to it. But um, is it? Do you guys make a habit out of throwing each other under the bus? And was it like that in the playing days as well? Um, yeah, he's a, like we've roomed a lot of the times. Most of the time, um, the team manager uh, would just put us together, um, and if we weren't together, we'd swap and end up together. But um, yeah, he was a bad roomie. He was a bad roomie. He probably would have said stuff about me. And the only thing that really I was bad at is sometimes at night I'd occupy the bath if we had one because I liked them, and I was a little bit messy. And that was all to me. Israel had far more things wrong with him as a roomie. But um, I didn't hear what the story of what he said, but it would have been and true life. the Powerade bottle. <laughs> I said that, that might have been true. Not as bad as the story that, remember we were in the... I won't go. I'll, I'll tell one story. We were at the... Um, I've got him gone now. I've got him gone. You got me. You got me started. It's your fault now, so this is where it's going to go. But we were at the Heritage. I can't remember what team we played at the end of the week. But we had training. Went to a pool session. <laughs> TJ was with us. Yeah, here it comes. TJ was with us. So we got back from the pool session, and Israel is well-known for being smelly. No matter if he showers, whatever, he's just a smelly person. <laughs> And so I could see them, like him coming up with something you know, stupid in his mind that he does. So I went and had a shower, and I came out, and they were giggling, you know, like little schoolgirls. And I was just like, what have you done? And I thought he had put like a smelly sock in my bed or something like that. And they wouldn't tell, tell me. And then um, Izzy went to have a shower, 
And I said to TJ, I said, what's he done? And he goes, go look at your pillow. And I walked over my pillow, which are white, and I pick it up and I turn around, it's got this big brown stain across the middle of it. He had wiped it on his bum, hoping that I wouldn't know and I'd go to bed and, and, and lie in it. So that's Israel Dag for you. Oh, what an absolute lie, mate. <laughs> that is the absolute truth. So, so this is why yesterday we asked who should fill in when Izzy goes for surgery on his ankle and everyone was saying, Corey Jane, get Corey Jane on. And I think they just wanted all of the secrets about Izzy and Izzy was going bright red saying, anyone but CJ. So this is probably why. <laughs> There's plenty of them, I tell you that, because he's just, oh. just a smelly roomie. <laughs> Your spade. I knew I should. That is an absolute lie. You wait till I write the book, man. I'm going to throw you right under Julian Salvia, the bus. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's move. On. Let's move on, mate. Like, what? What else? Are you you're back? You're on the coaching round now. You're, you're coaching the Hurricanes. Are you enjoying that role, brother? Well, I do. I, I do enjoy it. I, uh, I even when I played, like I like to um, help out and share. Um, knowledge, you know, some of us like the game a little bit more than you, Izzy. We just went um, uh, instinct player and just go out on the field and not listen to anything the coaches say all week and then just <laughs> catch the ball and do something good uh, like, like you did. Um, some of us actually liked the game and tried to learn it. Um, and so I, I, like, I like to give back when I played. So now, obviously, finishing rugby, um, you know, obviously playing, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's the closest thing to being back out on the field is as coaching, a um, little bit more stressful uh, than it is playing because when you're playing, yeah. you, you obviously got to look after yourself. And when you're when you're coaching, you've got a whole squad that you've got to try to uh, get on the same page and and help them grow as players and obviously try and win. So it's um, you know, a bit more stressful, but I enjoy it. I love it. Oh, we're talking to Corey Jane on the line. If you've got any questions for CJ, give us a text on double eight double three, and we'll make sure he gets to answer those. We've got a question here, Kevy. Uh, uh, CJ, it's, it's from Brett, and he says, ask CJ if he's got any tips or are we going to Baz for some good law on the camels in UAE? Would love to know the growling they got from Kevy. So I'm, I'm assuming that's after the Takapuna, that growling we got in that team room when I when we got our heads ripped off. Yeah, it was... Um... It was it was a weird one, eh? Because obviously you weren't playing that game because you were injured or something, and I I had to, so all the pressure was on me. Um, and you let me know the last couple of days before that game too that you have to go out there and play good for us, man. I remember that. So um, I didn't get much sleep that last couple of nights before that game, and obviously I went out there and um, you know we, we played well and. No, it was outstanding, but um, <laughs> you know we. Uh, <laughs> in the, it wasn't too bad that game, but um, you know we were in the change rooms afterwards and just trying to. I don't think the telling off from the from the players was, uh, I think the the scary bit because we knew that they were all grumpy. Um, it was just us having to get up and apologise um, in front of them and and say that we're sorry and um, you know it was at a terrible time to do it obviously in the World Cup and we hadn't won one for a long time so um, you know it was a super mistake but hey it happened and we moved on from there and we did well and won it so 
Yeah. Oh, it's just a, just a footnote, really, isn't it, Corey? I mean, it, it's an incredible one. We're, we're the 10-year anniversary is actually not far away. I was trying to organise a live broadcast from the the, um, the bar in Takapuna for, to celebrate the day, but Auckland might still be in lockdown, so we might miss that one. Hey, the, the news has just come through that uh, Geordie Barrett's not going to get stood down, so he was up for four weeks or thereabouts. What surprises you more, that he was up for four weeks or that he's got off scot-free? Uh, that he got a red card and all of the above because um, I didn't think it was warrant of it. I think, um, you know, when you're a young kid, you're warranted of it or whatever, yeah, riddle me that. Um, mm. I think you're, you know, when you're a young kid, you're, you're taught that, you know, you're safe up in the air. Um, so to be confident to get up there, you've got to know that someone else is not going to hit you and you can fall dangerously. Um, unfortunately for him that he... He lost a little bit of balance when he went high, um, mm. and, and his leg came under and, uh, and hit old mate in the face, uh, Corabetti. But I think you, you're taught to put your knee up to protect you anyway. And so yeah. what's going to happen now when somebody runs and takes a knee to the face because you're up there trying to be strong and trying to be safe and someone gets laid out? So I always tell people when I teach them high ball, I say, get square, get your knee high, and you want to hit that person that's coming at you so he doesn't come at you again. Mm. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens, and it, and it does happen. Uh, just like sometimes guys take people out in the air, and they don't mean to do it, but it's, mm. just, it's, it's part of the game. And I love the collision in the air. Um, so I didn't think it was deserved of a, of a red card, but, yeah, it's rugby now. Oh, mate, you're bloody champion at it, mate, leading the, the bomb squad back in the day. Um I want to ask you about this current All Black squad at the moment and that performance on Sunday. What were your thoughts and what did you see in that game from, from, from the All Blacks in general? And what about the Wallabies too? Do you think they got any chance? You know, I think the hard thing for the Wallabies is that they just don't, you know, like you saw it in, in the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman that when they play off nine and they run hard and, you know, they can put teams under pressure and because they didn't have much a line speed pressure in their competition. Mm. They were able to throw the ball wide and um, and get loose with the ball. Where I think playing against New Zealand teams, we bring a bit more uh, b- bit more heat out wide, and it's harder to throw the ball around because mm. you get caught behind the gain line and you're under pressure. But when they play off nine, they're actually quite physical. In the first Test match, they were real good there. Yeah, but it's hard to continue to do that the whole game. You know, you got you're going to get beaten up. But I think that's where their strength lies. And I think the All Blacks were. We're outstanding, especially in this weekend. Defensively, they keep coming forward. They were putting double shoulders on. They were attacking the ball and really frustrating the, the Wallabies. And they got picked off a, a couple of times around the ruck. Mm. Um, Can I ask you about that? Which, I asked Potty the other day about that question. I know you're, you're a defence coach. You know a lot more about it. What, what was happening there with Tate McDermott and Nick White getting big gains around that first, second defender? Well, I just think, you know, when they were able to get on the front foot and they, the Wallabies were able to carry hard and kind mm-hmm. of get behind um, the All Blacks, that's when the fold or guys trying to get around the position, um, you know, struggle to get around the ruck or you, you see them starting to get a little bit lateral because the pressure starts coming on. And yeah. when they started doing that, the, the first defender off the, the ruck, whether it was a forward or the halfback, started getting lateral, that's when their nine started you know, dummy in and starting to go through those holes and and kind of put them under the pressure. And obviously, they, they'll know more than that because 
you know, they coached them and that's their team. But they started picking them a little bit there. But I thought the All Blacks were brilliant. I thought Haveli is outstanding at 12 and Akira yeah. was, was dominant. And, you know, you just got All Black guys across the park that are not only being physical, but uh, their skill set has been been pretty bloody good too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward against Argentina and South Africa, who don't play as much, but are very physical. So that'll test them. Now, what about the current outside backs at the moment? Rico's gone from centre to wing. For me, I feel like wing's probably his position at the moment. But outside backs, have you been impressed? Jordy coming into fullback, replacing D-Mac, uh, Rico on the left, uh, Will Jordan on the right. You've been pretty happy with those combinations? Well, I think it's good. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that, well, there's not many that you can say are not playing good and putting their hand up. So yeah. um, I, I like Rico on the left. I just think yeah. a bit more time and space with the ball. Um, he just seems to make right decisions out there and, and he's dangerous. And I like Will Jordan on the on the right wing. Um, yeah. I just think his ability to to score tries, his speed, um, his skill set is probably better suited out there. Um, and then you've got the challenge at fullback because mm. D-Mac, as, as you see with, um, you know, with the with the Chiefs, he kind of creates everything for them. And sometimes it's just off the cuff. Mm. I mean, my step back towards the ruck and find somebody not, you know, falling asleep and he'll run through those holes. And it hasn't quite worked too much this year for the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then you had Geordie for the first... Um, what is it? Twenty odd minutes before he kicked that, kicked um, caught a bit in the face. You know, actually yeah. he he wasn't doing too bad. So um, mm. he's more of a penetrating fullback. Um, so mate, it's uh, they got their challenges because they know mm. that you know when you get to that level, you you've got to play well every game because and you've got to train well because you know the guy standing next to you he wants that spot too. So it's it's unlike back in your days when you know you had a hundred test all black in front of your mills and um, he knew that you were going to go um, and take a spot because yeah. you had already signed the contract with New Zealand that allowed you to do that when you said that you wanted to take it. So um, <laughs> it's different from back in your days to what it is now, but you know, that is what it is. Yeah, mate. The competition is very, very healthy. Hey, lovely. That was our McCafe coffee catch-up with Corey J, mate. Uh, appreciate your time, CJ. Next time, bring some absolute yarns because that's what they want, brother. They want CJ when I rang you yesterday. Not not this, you know, quiet CJ didn't want to ruin his coaching career. <laughs> I don't want to take your job, mate. That's the problem. Yeah, and I'm well, quite, I'm quite happy we don't go to the. We're not going to the BSA <laughs> tribunal. So, I, I think I think CJ's kind of been right in the middle here. I think he's been great personally. No, no you've been great. You've been great, Siege. Really good to ch- chat to you, brother, and really appreciate your time. Take care, mate. Who is, man? Bye, guys. There you go, Louis. I don't care for what you wish for. Careful what you wish for, is he? Oh, I love it, man. Share stories. That's what it's about. You wait till I write the book, then we'll get some stories. Oh, how yeah, good. No, that's fantastic. So, um, for anyone that kind of wasn't too sure what we're talking about there, I think everyone remembers, but the 2011 World Cup, Izzy and, and Corey Jane, a little bit of a, a night out in the town, and they both came back and redeemed themselves. Obviously, we won the World Cup and the rest of history. It's a bit of a movie, really. So, just fantastic <laughs> to hear Corey still having a laugh about it, and you guys are obviously get on so well is yeah he's a good man he's a good man i got a lot of time for cj we, we played most of our career 
on um, you know throughout the All Blacks together. We roomed together, and obviously he shared a wee insight story that was a wow. It was a lie, mate. That was a lie. Yeah. That's disgusting behaviour, Trudy. I would never ever do that. Don't ever no. ever think I would do that. It's a lie. I just um, googled the. Um, I just put Corey Jane Elephant Wrestler into Google, and I've read the whole story. I've been listening to you guys. Oh, You're lies. just rat bags, bloody little rat bags. Nice. Lucky, luckily, you redeemed yourselves. Is what like, I can say. There's a great, there's a great text Ten here. Years ago. The only bomb squad those two ran was the Jaeger one. <laughs> <laughs> double eight, double three. There's another awesome text there. Daisy's but... a star, is all I can oh. say. Yes, She's that's a right. Lemon star. Uh, Goose, we're going to get to your text on what uh, uh, Izzy thinks about Will Jordan very shortly but it is Baz and Izzy for breakfast for Kimmer's Warehouse. Great savings every day. Good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. It is just after 8am on this day, Thursday the 9th of September. Well, it's been a great morning so far and if you feel like you've missed something, make sure you head over to our podcast and get all things that is. Uh, the Bears and Izzy for breakfast show. Uh, we've had a great show. We've chatted all things NFL in the last hour with Adam Tasher out of out of America. Keep the Texas coming in. Who do you support? Who are you looking forward to? Who do you want to chat uh, chat about? What are you looking forward to when you're watching the NFL? Make sure you give us a text on double eight double three. The Texas have been flying in, so appreciate all the support. And uh, well, we've got a great last hour ahead of us. Like the horse only in America, we'll be whipping it home. We've got Paul Mwari, and he'll be bringing some gravy for all our punters out there. And, well, maybe Paulie will actually sing us a song. He hasn't sung us a song for, for a while now, so love it when Paulie brings a little rap or a little bit of rhythm to the show. So looking forward to chatting to Paulie Mwari and then, well, Sophie Pascoe. Where, where do I start? The wonderful Sophie Pascoe. Absolute legend, mate. She has represented us with so much pride over many, many years. 19 medals in total. What a champion. But Pasco starting to put a mark on this race. And she desperately wants to be standing on top of the podium, listening to God defend New Zealand by the end of this session. And Sophie Pasco looking very good, very strong. Has got a fine stroke, settled so quickly despite the star final earlier in the guard. And I dare say, a monicum of revenge is on the guards here for New Zealand's Pasco. Now, Sophie Pasco just dropping off a little bit. She was close to that world record mark and coming through very strong. It's Bianca Papp of Hungary, but I think Pasco is going to hold on. She glides for that stroke. Sophie Pasco becomes the new Paralympic champion, regained her title. She lost in London. Sophie Pascoe is leading by such a substantial margin that there is very, very little concern about who is going to win this race. It looks like Sophie Pascoe is going to take it. It's all about the final 50 for the other medals, but the gold has been decided already by Sophie Pascoe and well ahead of world record pace as well. Set to crack her own world record, the defending champion. But it is Sophie Pascoe who becomes an eight-time Paralympic gold medalist in world time in the 200 individual medley Wow, if you're not getting goosebumps listening to that, there is something wrong with you. It's an absolute honour and privilege to be able to welcome our next guest on the Baz and Izzy for Breakfast show. After all her success, not only at this year's Paralympics in Tokyo, but also the last three previous Paralympics, amassing 11 gold medals, 7 silver medals and a bronze, 
totaling 19 medals all up. The question now is, Sophie Pascoe, is she our greatest athlete? Well, I think personally she has put forward a bloody solid case. Also, she loves a red wine, and I promised her all those years ago I would share a bottle with her that I got given, but I'll have to apologise. Soph, I drank it. Good morning, mate. How are you? Morning, is How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, my friend. I'm sorry. I, I drank that like nice little craggy range, Sophia, I promised to share with you. I'll get us another one to, to celebrate your successes, my friend. Congratulations. Unbelievable. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm good, thanks. I mean, you've woken me up in MIQ, so... <laughs> <laughs> the only I apologise. Uh, I apologise, no, Soph. I'm all good, and I'm... Um, it's obviously unusual times being here now at EIQ straight after um, a bit of a whirlwind like that but um, I couldn't have asked for a better game to go ahead for myself personally than what I thought it would have looked like about a year ago so very happy Nice friend, I I actually sorry because I I follow you on Instagram, I saw you woke up at about 11am the other day and I thought maybe 8am she might be pushing her to wake up. You've been having a bit of a good sleep in an MIQ, eating some good tucker, I see. Yeah, well, my family's definitely dropped me off a month's worth of food, so I I think they think they want, maybe they want me in here longer. I'm not too sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, Sophie, um, it's Louis here. Look, the the emotional roller coaster of probably the last five years, but let alone the last couple of weeks, and now you're by yourself in a room, just alone, kind of, I don't know, how, how are you feeling? Like, have you leveled out, like, the, the serotonin levels and everything? Are you, are you doing okay? <laughs> Hello. Um, I, yeah, it's... It was definitely a bit flat the first couple of days, um, but in a way, it's it's definitely given me time to reflect a little bit. Uh, but then also, it feels like it hasn't even happened as well. Like that's how fast it's all quickly um, just gone like a whirlwind. Um, but I've hung my meals up yesterday <laughs> in MIQ to remind me of what's happened um, over this past week. Um, but not only that, obviously, it's this is years. This is years, but also, um, most importantly, it's been these last 18 months, which um, has been such a unusual 18 months for everybody in the world with the current circumstances mm. and for the games to even just go ahead. Um, I think most of all that I've really gained in MIQ is perspective, and perspective that actually, you know what, it's about how you make people feel and, um, you know, looking at those medals, yeah, I can come home with medals, but uh, it's how I make people feel and how I'm feeling right now in MIQ and it's really hard not to share all of that um, glory, but also the times where it hurts um, with somebody um, and with the people that you love that weren't able to be there. So in a way, it's it's bittersweet right now in MIQ, but I know that um, time is going to go by fast, especially with these 8 a.m. calls. <laughs> nice. So I love you sharing those little insights to, to the emotions that you've gone through. Can you, can you tell us about the last five years leading up to these games and the journey that was ahead of you? I could sense a wee bit of emotion 
uh, in your voice post races, you know, what you've gone through to, to get to where you are, the heights you've had to travel to, to achieve all your successes. Tell us about these last five years. Yeah, the last five years is um, interesting. In terms of how an Olympic and Paralympic athlete usually operate is, you know, you a four-year cycle campaign and then it's moving on to the next goal very, very quickly. Um, yeah. And after Rio, uh, I obviously made that goal to get back in and, and go towards Tokyo and uh, I think if we touch base mainly on the past 18 months, uh, obviously the world changed and with COVID-19. And um, we, I, was, I would say I was in the best physical and mental condition of my life um, mm. two weeks before we went into lockdown. And uh, following that was meant to be our national champs, which was our qualifying for Tokyo. And I was already setting some pretty good times in training that I knew um, I was going to have a stellar opening uh, for the, you know, 2019 season. And uh, it all crashed. It all came down on me. And Mm. I was in lockdown on my own. And Mm. it became quite a big struggle to understand and comprehend who I was as a person because I had just made this identity as Sophie Pascoe and Mm. I felt like I was nobody else and so I went into a pretty dark place and I was advised to get somebody else in Uh, so I bought a friend in and uh, we fell in love (laughs) yes Um, I met him I met him he's lovely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and he has been an incredible person that has allowed me to find another identity, to be Sophie. Um, he's held my hand through the darkest of times, and he helped me get back into swimming along with the rest of my core support team. And if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for having this tight support team around me that knows me, so well Mm. um, I definitely know that I wouldn't have been in Tokyo this year but they were ones who um, just pushed me to still be an athlete, still be Sophie Pascoe but have this amazing balance and a newfound Sophie that um, I I had two identities now and that's Mm. what I mean by perspective at the end of the day no matter if I win a medal or not, those people still love me, and that's worth oh. everything. Mate, that, I love your honesty, and this is something I've spoken about passionately. I went through the same, so if I went through the same. I thought I was just Izzy Dag, the rugby player, and no matter what, that's what, that's what all everyone thought I was. But mm. I got people around me. We are more. We are brothers. We are sisters. We are partners. You know, we have family, and, and that is so amazing that you have shared that because that has just hit a little string in my heart because I've been through mm-hmm. the same. And, and I know you a lot of young people, a lot of young athletes will be able to resonate to that as well, mate. So thank you so much for sharing that, Sophie. Yeah, I think it's, you know, when you are such a uh, uh, an athlete and a high-profile athlete, we, you know, we put our heart and soul into that. 
and mm. and sometimes it can get a little bit lost in, in the normal world. So it's nice to have and find that balance. Yeah, I think as a sporting right. sporting public as well, we can be guilty of just seeing things as face value and just seeing you in the pool, Sophie, and what you do and kind of not really thinking much beyond that. And I think that's why it's so important hearing you and Izzy and, and people like yourselves kind of speak about this and understanding there's always more to it. So I guess when, when you're uh, underwater holding your breath and we saw kind of how exhausted you were after you won your last gold, when you're doing that, are you so locked in at the moment or do you hold that perspective when you're actually swimming as well and you know that no matter what happens, and who hits the wall first? It really that's not the most important thing in your life. Gosh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I wouldn't even be able to even remember what I was thinking about at the time. But um, all I knew was it's years of experience um, that went into that particular race, uh, the two hundred IM, and uh, and I was just head down and giving it my all, and if it was going to mean that, yeah, I was, you know, vomiting on the side of the pool and being picked <laughs> up um, by the medical staff and my togs chopped off me, uh, <laughs> and to have some oxygen given to me afterwards, I know that I have given everything to that race, yeah, and that's what it means. Um that I can walk away proud and my head held high that I've given absolutely everything. Uh, so uh, that's what racing means to me. I am a fighter. I am a competitor. I know I've got all of those traits ingrained in me. Uh, and it's just about digging deep. So that's just what I what I do as an athlete. And that's what makes mm. us um, such strong athletes when we go out to play or, or swim in my case because... When you want something so badly, you'll give everything. But again, I know I knew that if I had touched that wall, I've absolutely given everything, and I, you know, you couldn't have asked for more from me. Oh man, Sophie, you, I've getting a lot of messages and from from friends saying this is a hell of an interview, and I really, really agree with it. So thank you so much for your time. We're not going to let you go straight away. We've got a text machine, so if you've got any questions for Sophie Pascoe, make sure you give us a text on double eight double three and we'll make sure we fire those over to Sophie Pascoe but Soph I know you always talk about you just it's just you and that black line below you and you just swim and you are immensely tough I, I've done a bit of pre-season training in the pool with Rowley your coach and he is very very hard I gotta ask how, how is <laughs> I can't swim to save myself so I need some help in, in that sense but how is Rowley how's me old mate Rowley's good um obviously unfortunate circumstance that he couldn't come yeah. over to uh, Tokyo being in hospital, but um, he's now out in a recovery facility, and um, yeah, he's doing good. I mean, we were in touch every day um, over there, and I had an amazing um, friend, um, Matt Ingram, who's also my biomechanist, but he's been part of my team since I was 12, um, working yeah. with Rolly and I, and he was able to actually take Rolly's spot over there as coach. So it was really nice to be able to have someone that who understood what I have been through over all these years, and particularly obviously mm. the last few months, and then coming into this meet and having a core support team member by my side through this meet. Um, so I feel very, very fortunate of the team that we have created down in Christchurch. Team Pasco is 
um, definitely Paradise. the most trust. Yeah, and the most trustworthy <laughs> group that I asked for. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can't wait to see them all. But Broly is good. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, just before we let you go, Soph, I know you're going to get it out of MIQ soon. Uh, what are you going to get up to, my mate? Well, what, what's Sophie Pascoe going to gonna do for herself? I know you're a, you're a fun bunny. You love getting up to some fun. What are you going to get up to? <laughs> I, I'm actually going to just take this time to spend with family and friends, the time that um, I finally have. Um, to be able to just enjoy with them. I mean, they've mm. sacrificed so much of my time um, over the years to be able to get to this and, and not have a start-back date. Um, yeah. I'm cool. not going to have a start-back date just because I've actually never been able to have a break that has not had a start-back date, which has been always been in the back of my mind, and it's never actually mm. felt like I've had a break. So I'm really going to relish this time. Yeah. That's fair enough. I think oh. everyone across New Zealand agrees you probably deserve it. Is there any way you can think about Paris yet or just not not even nearly? <laughs> um, at this stage, no. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I want to be honest because it's, it's three years, nothing three years away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, we just, we don't know what the world's doing in three years' time. So um, I'm... I'm very much looking forward to taking the break. Let's just say you will see me next year. So there, yes. there is, yes. I know that I will be getting back in the pool. I don't know about the next three years yet. I'll make that decision in a few years' time. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Sophie. Well, there you go. You got the gravy on SCNZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Sophie will be back next year. Beyond that, we don't know, but that's all we care about next year. But, mate, on behalf of, of the team at Izzy, uh, Baz and Izzy for breakfast, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for the joy you've brought to New Zealand. Uh, you're an ultimate athlete. You're an absolute legend, and uh, we really appreciate what you're about, um, Sophie Pascoe. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks, guys. No worries. Thanks, Sophie. We'll, awesome. We'll see you back in Christchurch. Awesome. Brilliant stuff. Yep. Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. Yeah, good. Get that bottle of red ready, mate. Yeah, no more nicking the reds. No <laughs> <laughs> I know you're just, you're just in awe of Sophie, aren't you, mate? And so am I, to be honest. Oh, I think the whole of New Zealand is, mate. Like, all right, what she's been able to achieve. Like, you think 19 medals over four different campaigns. Um, and she's only 28. She's young. But love what she's about. She's... Figuring out who she is, her identity. She's found another uh, person in her life who I've, I've actually met him uh, at the airport. Lovely bloke. So, look, awesome, awesome. I'd love to hear your insights on that, Louis. Into you, give us a text on double eight double three because that was really awesome. And that was our McCafe coffee catch up with Sophie Pasco, Louis. Beautiful, mm. outstanding, Com- and and I couldn't encourage people to text more. Double eight, double three. What were your takeaways there? Who would have thought you would have got a love story on Baz and Izzy for breakfast on the 9th of September? <laughs> well, it's time for a McCafe coffee catch up. Well, great news for rugby fans. So not so much for Sam's young family. I know who will miss them dearly, but Sam Whitelock will be jetting off to link up with the All Blacks for the upcoming rugby championship in Brisbane. Before then, he has to do a two-week MIQ in isolation. Sammy, thanks for joining us, mate. Let's let's talk about this two weeks in isolation. Is it actually full noise isolation? Yeah, uh, good to be on, Daggy. I know you've been pestering me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I've been <laughs> who's this kind of things, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
to answer your question, mate, yeah, we're going to have, uh, I'm going to have two weeks uh, MIQ at this stage, hard lockdown. So it's going to be a challenge in itself. Um, just make sure that I, I, you know, can stay as fit as I can, get as ready as I can. So when I do get out, I'm not uh, on the back foot. So um, I'm sure Gilly, the trainer, has got a, a lot in store for me. I'm sure he'll have a couple of those horrific sessions that you and I um, absolutely love. Um, so there'll be a few down ups and a bit of crawling in the, in the hotel room. Yeah, so so is that what? So he'll drop in all the equipment, so you've got everything you you need during through. Because reality is, you're going to come out of two weeks, and you're pretty much into a South African game. Like you got to keep the train up contact wise. How are you going to be able to do that, mate? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to have to run into the wall or something. <laughs> it might be funny if uh, the neighbours like, what's going on next door? But. Um, like I've been doing some contact here um, since we've dropped levels, so went in and tackled a few of the Canterbury boys and um, wrestled around with a few of the big props. So I'm actually in a pretty good spot now. Like if I had to play this week, I think I, I could do that. Um, but it's just been allowed to get into the country. And obviously COVID's throwing curveballs left, right and centre, and, and that's just the way the world is now. So you just got to deal with it. Yeah, nice. Hey, uh, we've got to touch on it, mate. You've just had baby number three, little Penny, How's the family, mate? Hands all good and, and good to be home and spend some time with them before you jet off, eh? Yeah, Penelope came a couple of days early, so uh, threw a bit of a spanner in the works. I had a whole lot of jobs I was meant to do for Hannah. Um, so I'll have to get you, Dagger. You're pretty handy around <laughs> Trim the hedges and a few things like that. Um, but no, it's it's great. It's uh, Anyone that's a, a father knows how special it is. Uh, so Fred's four and a half, Iris is two and a half, and Penelope was born on the 29th, so it's it's pretty cool. That's us. We're, we're probably not going to have any more, so it's nice to know that for us as a family, that this is what it is, and um, the two older kids just love Penelope to pieces. Iris is taking a little bit of time to adjust. She's yeah. as the middle child always seems to seems to be, um, but no, pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty cool when you get to have those cuddles and that, so I'm sure you'll be around at some stage, Daggy, and uh, you'll be eating all the, the baking, <laughs> you know, just enjoying yourself. But you got to look after that leg of yours too, mate. Oh, my man, I can't believe it. I was actually going to say that, like, I'm here sitting in a cast. We actually started our career together. We made our debuts together against Ireland. Mate, you're still going. You're still going. You're an absolute – and you don't look like you're slowing down anytime soon. So what is the magic formula, mate? And – how many more years can Sammy Whitelock go? I feel you can go for another eternity. No, I'd, I'd love to say that's the case, but um, definitely, you know, still enjoying the rugby and um, been pretty pretty hard at with looking after myself and you used to always give me a bit of stick about putting, um, you know, recovery tights on after and trying to drink less beers and more water and things like that, which uh, you always found pretty tough, but... Um, you know, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot, but at the same time, you know, you're on the wrong side of 30, so you just got to, if anything, look after it a little bit more. And when you know it's done, you got to walk away. And, uh, like, I think that's always going to be hard, no matter, you know, where you get to in your, your sporting career, whether you, you know, play provincial, super rugby or international. It's, uh, it's never going to be nice walking away, but uh, I think when that time does come, mm. you'll look back at your career and go, Man, this ride's been pretty awesome so far. Mate, I, I just touched on it, and I, I just said you, you're getting better with age. You ain't slowing down. You've pretty much done everything possible 
a rugby player can achieve and can do in his career. So what drives you? What what keeps you going, brother? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, that one. Um, you know, I've had a, a pretty awesome career so far, and I think when I am retired, sitting in the Hawke's Bay, and uh, people like yourself come and visit, and <laughs> think, uh, time to actually sit back and reflect on how impressive and how cool a lot of things have been. Um, for myself at the moment, as any rugby player knows, it's the next week you finish one big thing and you're straight into the next one. There's not a lot of downtime between uh, teams, tournaments, um, things like that. So I think that's when a lot of that stuff will kick in around how cool, cool it has been. And um, talking to a few of the younger boys, you know, like I am a little bit older now. Um, I think Jonah played one year. I think <laughs> like Daggy, I know you played that year. So when you say that to some of the younger boys, they're like, oh, this is, you know, quite right. You, you must be pretty old. And then uh, you hear of guys being born in the year 2000, and you're going, well, I'm born in 88. Got at least 12 years on you. <laughs> mate, you, you just seem to amaze me. And, and I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. You, you, your pockets are full because you are so tight. You're about as tight as they come. You never shout anything. So I'm not surprised that you're able to buy the biggest farm in Hawke's Bay and also another six farms on time, mate. But that's what you want to do post rugby. You want to go back to the farm and get into the farming. Oh, the cheek of the man! Never <laughs> buys any drinks. Buys all the drinks at the start and goes home early. But now we definitely go farming. Um, so we've got a, a place in Hawke's Bay that we're can't wait to get up there um, and just do something a little bit different. Like obviously the rugby is is crazy at the moment and still really enjoying it and. It does have its challenges now, especially with uh, three on the ground. Um, but the farm's not going in, so if we can get up there in the next five years or so and uh, get in amongst the community, the community's been awesome. Um, every time we've been up there, whether it's been for a day or two or spending a few weeks up there, they've been really inviting and um, really nice people. So I'm sure there'll be uh, a young Israel dag up there somewhere. I, I was thinking about it when uh, you're trying to set up the score. It's like, I wonder what Izzy's going to bring up. And I thought, shit, I might have to get in with a story before Izzy you know, has all those free shots. And I, I think back to my first test match, and Izzy was pretty confident. You know, He'd been named to start. He made, made the squad initially where I actually missed selection and pulled in for injury cover. And then, long story short, um, managed to play, you know, get on the bench uh, for some reason I'm not sure why I managed to score a couple of tries and DJ and Izzy went up to me as I scored you know I'm pumped up this is awesome first thing ever and Izzy and T run up and they're just giving me shit about my uh about my monobrow so um you know <laughs> bring up but I thought I'd get into him first around hey so yeah you are lying. <laughs> we did not come up to you and say that, did we? I can't remember that. Hey, CJ, I'm pretty sure you were jumping over CJ too. So uh, it's funny how you get to know some people through you know challenges that we have. You know, we got to, like you said, play our first game together. So pretty cool that um you know got to know each other and families and, and wives and kids and that now. And I do know that Fred. Uh, a Christmas party, so maybe you need to that dagger with him, mate. 
Mate, I'll 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 confirm that. Little Fred Whitelock, you watch that name. You watch that kid growing up. I watched them absolutely smash my son, Cody's son, everyone's kids at this party. He was on fire. He's got speed to burn as well. So I don't know where that's come from. But anyway, he is an absolute animal. So looking forward to watching Freddie grow up, mate. And look, I was only jealous. I was only jealous because you come on for 20 minutes, we've done all the hard work, and you got two absolute meat pies in that game against Ireland. I was only jealous, man. It's funny because I think you said to me afterwards, I'm going to score more over your career, and I think I've scored probably three since that, so my strike rate's not that good. (laughs) Got two on debut, so I can't complain with that too much. (laughs) Right, you're an absolute champion. I'm not surprised you're still going. You, you were born for this top-level rugby. You're leading the way, most capped lock of all time. But, mate, just got to get into a couple of rugby questions before we let you go. Um, pretty clinical performance on the weekend on Sunday, especially uh, for the All Blacks against the Wallabies. What were your takeaways from that game, mate? Yeah, it's um, it's always hard sitting and watching the kids jumping on you. But the thing I was really impressed with was um, just probably the type five. The type five... You know, did a lot of hard work there. I thought uh, Brody and, and Scooter had a had an awesome game, and then that allowed everyone else to play. Like I thought, Akira was was awesome, but the reason he was awesome is those other big boys had massive work rates, and it just allowed Akira to to probably play the game that he you know can play, and and it really suited him. And it, it's it's really nice to see him hitting some really good form, and that'd be. Uh, what the coaches are uh, after with um, the Argentinian test coming up. Another thing I, I was really happy with is, you know, the, the red card is is never nice. And I think it's the first time the All Blacks have managed to get the win while there's been a red card. So you could see the boys out there and you'd see the communication and they were working things out as they went, which was which is nice to see rather than something like that happen can actually derail the whole team. But I thought the leaders stood up, you know, Artie and, and Coates, being taken off too for HIAs. You could see Brody, um, Bodie, um, Anton Leonard Brown, guys like that just really stepping into those roles and, and taking control. So really, really cool to see that um, while you're sitting at home on the couch. Nice, mate. Nice, mate. And Adi Savia, captain the side as well. Did you have any conversations with him during the week and you know, just gave him a few tips or was it just let him be and let him do his own little little thing within the leadership environment? Yeah, uh, Fozzie had talked to me beforehand, so I actually knew before Artie and <laughs> Fozzie to kind of give you the, you know, I've told him he, he's he's keen to do it. And as soon as uh, it got announced, obviously just sent Artie a message and just said how proud and how awesome it is to, to be the leader. And um, the main thing I said to him is, look, just trust yourself and go out there and, and play well. And that's the best advice I had ever been given as a rugby player is whether you're calling lineouts or a leader or a senior player or a captain is the first thing you would do is play well. Um, there's nothing worse than the guy that's out there uh, trying to say and do everything, but not actually doing anything quite um, up to the standard that's expected. So it was really easy for Artie to go out there and, and play well. And I thought he was playing really well. He was playing physical before, uh, before he came off. So really nice that, um, you know, even though he would have loved to be out there for the full 80, and the first part of it, he was doing exactly what was expected of him. Yeah, nice, mate. I've been captain by yourself, and your words couldn't 
uh, you know, be spot on as they come. You're an, you're an absolute champion. You walk the talk. But what I loved about you is you are still easily approachable. You got on with anyone and everyone had a connection and a bit of time for your mates. So you're an ultimate bloke. And I know you'll be taking the reins back when you get over there. But before I let you go, I've got two questions. Argentina this Sunday. Uh, this Sunday what's that going to be shaping like? And, and will they have to change things tactically to place the Argentinian side who you'll face many, many times? I'll get into your question in a minute. Hannah's just here out of out of shot. Yeah, just you being nice and saying nice things. She's like, "What's this? What's this?" Got- <laughs> Hannah, I am nice. <laughs> uh, your question, mate. Um, I think the main thing with RG, and it, it doesn't actually matter who you play, as long as you get the the game right, um, execution of what what we're trying to do as All Blacks. Um, and then your mindset. If you get your mindset where it needs to be, um, you know, nine times out of ten, you, you put yourself in in a good spot to to have the right result. And I think like the things that have shown over the last eighteen months to, to two years is, you know, the discipline is critical. Um, and I'm not meaning just penalties. I'm meaning the discipline of playing in within within the shape and playing what's in front allows the team to express themselves and all of a sudden you get players to go out there and they're playing their natural game and they're putting opposition under pressure. So I think that discipline of trusting your instincts is, is always something that um, you need to do against a, a great side like Argentina. But you've got to do that every week as well. Um, but Argentina have shown, like last year, they, they played really well against us in the first one, and it took us a, a long time in the second test. We played them to break them down. And I just think that the difference in the two tests is the first one, we probably shut up shop a little bit and we didn't play enough. Um, and the second one, we probably fell into the, the trap of not playing, uh, probably playing too much at the start. But mm. the the beauty of, of test match rugby, you kind of have to work it out on the run and um it's great having the, the coaches and the management there, but sometimes you just got to work that out as players on the field. Nice, mate. Nice, mate. Well, just before I go, I know you love filling your pockets and you love to you'd love to buy a new farm somewhere. Oh, World Twelves, mate. World Twelves. If if Steve Hansen come up to you and said, "Hey, Sammy, I've got a million bucks for two, uh, for eight weeks. You keen? Would you?" Yeah, I didn't actually know anything about it until the other day. I was it last night when uh, it must have been on the news, and. Um, yeah, I was at Rugby Park today doing some doing some gym, and the the boys were talking about it. And I think it's the same as anything. You definitely look at it, um, working out what it looks like, where it fits in the calendar, all those things. I'm pretty sure you love the the coin more than me, so you'd be out of retirement pretty quickly, mate. Get that leg sorted, get your operation done tomorrow, and you'd be sweet. <laughs> no, mate, no, mate, not me. Only only opportunity I'm going to do is coaching, but and and well, I don't love the game that much, so I won't be doing that anyway. We'll move on. We'll move on. Hey, mate, I want to appreciate. I just want to say thank you for your time, Sammy. I know you're a busy man. You got three kids. Hannah will be just waiting for you to hang up this phone so you can go change a nappy. So I'll let you go, bud. Thanks so much for your time. Travel safe and good luck for the next couple of months. And if you need anything done, bud, you know who to call. I'm handy as they come, bud. Daisy will do well, mate. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being and hopefully be on at some stage in the future too. Get you to, you know, have a bit more of a swing rather than just the old straight bat like you normally do. <laughs> thanks, mate. Cheers, mate.
It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.